we've been um, sharing around the five o'clock prayer meeting on the thought of faith. Now, faith is one of those things that every one of us have heard about faith, haven't we? We've probably heard a heap of faith messages, but it's not what we hear, it's what we do makes a difference. You know, faith, faith is, uh, I, I remember in my early ministry that Clark Taylor told me, he said, you, you must preach on faith once a month. And um, I think I needed to preach on faith once a day just for myself. And I continued, you know, I, I said, of all the topics that I would meditate on and think about and challenge me the most in my life is faith. I'd say of all the things that have uh, established my life more than any other single factor has been faith. Uh, I have a total faith that I can go anywhere in the world if God tells me to and build a church. I don't need money. I don't need support. I don't need encouragement. I, but I do need faith. And if I have faith, I know that miracles will happen. I know that God will make a way. And I've proved it time and time again. I've proved that faith... Uh, when, when you get impossible situations, it's only faith that will deliver you. Faith in Jesus Christ, faith in his promises. So uh, we have been talking about faith, I said, in the early morning prayer meetings. And David Harney is probably the great example of a businessman who operates in faith. Uh, David told me one day, he said, I have never, you know, David writes out his tithes at the beginning of the year and writes them in. And he said, I have never yet in my whole of the time that I'm, that I've, that I've done business, and we're talking about, you know, he's got $20 million worth of work on at present, so that's how big his business is. But uh, he said, every year, he said, I've had to borrow my money to pay my tithes. Now, that's faith. I'm not recommending you do that, but if you want to do that, you know, uh, go and talk to David. Uh, but, you know, but I'm just saying it takes faith to do that. It takes faith to say, I haven't got the money. Uh, I remember when David said that, that you know, he was going uh, towards bankruptcy very fast and, and there was a suggestion that he go into ba- bankruptcy, that, that, he, that he managed to convince the, the uh, banker to give him uh, a, an increase of loan. And he said the first thing he'd do every month, that he was, he was desperate, that he'd write out a cheque and sew it in for what he needed that month out of that credit line. Now that takes faith, doesn't it? I mean, you know, you know, we can talk about faith, but I find that faith does not come into operation until you get into a crisis. You know, when, when, you, when you get into those situations, you say, look, I am desperate and I, I'm emotional and uh, this is affecting me and I've got to have a breakthrough here. You know, that's where faith, re- that shows you where your faith is really at. You know, faith moves mountains. You know, I, I've talked to you about heaps of times that uh, we had faith. Like our church in Bundaberg never grew for uh, six years past 70 people. Uh, you know, a lot of pastors would be happy with 70 people, but I was not happy with 70 people. In fact, I think I was suicidal at 70 people. Uh, every, every Monday morning, I would be depressed. Uh, and uh, I remember I, I said, look, I'm, I'm going to quit or I'm going to believe God. And, and I made a decision. Derek at the time was uh, two years old. He was just uh, three years old, would have been, just walking. Uh, and so I would meditate on faith every day, uh, on the promises of God. I, I would uh, read a faith chapter of a book, you know, a book on faith, and just read a chapter, didn't matter what the faith, just as long as I could get hope and inspiration into my heart. And I'd walk up and down our back lo- uh, yard, Derek would walk with me, and uh, many, much of the time, for an hour and confess it, three hours a day. And, you know, and, and within six weeks, our church doubled. Yeah, you know, I've told you about what happened when we left America there. We, we were in a desperate situation uh, financially with our house and change, and, and the, the boss wanted to take over my church. Uh, and uh, when the boss wants to take over the church, it's always a good idea to say yes. 
but I had bought a house at American Money and um, on advice of, an, uh, of another famous pastor in America, which we won't mention his name. But, uh, and so I was, in, I was in debt with American Money. We're talking about here at, at 50 cents in the dollar. Uh, 75 cents something the dollar it was at the time and, and I remember uh, we had not sold our house uh, houses weren't selling because 9-11 had happened and the market had had, uh, had, uh, had just dropped out and, and I realised that we had a month's worth of payments to go before we would not be able to pay any more money um, back here and I remember we just believed God and, um, you know, and, and things just happened and, and we were back here within one week and our house sold but we had to take a step of faith we had to believe God, you know, we had, to, we had to get that situation. And I want to say, you know, that whatever you have today, you do not have a problem. If, you've, if you're sick, you don't have a problem. If, if, you, if you have no job, you don't have a problem of no job. You know, every issue that we face is a faith issue. And if we have faith, we'll move, remove that mountain. You know, Mark 11.23 has got to be my favorite all-time verse. And uh, let me uh, attempt to quote it to you. Uh, Mark 11.23 says, Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, whatsoever what? Things. things. So what is it about this verse? Things. Whatsoever things. It's not talking about super spiritual issues. It's talking about things. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, we collect things in our house. I don't know how it happens. And we've got to get rid of things. But we just collect things. I mean, you know, every week you seem to collect things. With things I, I don't know whether we really need them, but we've got a lot of things. You know, and, and, we, and we like things, don't we? Oh, I, I see that thing. I've got to have that thing. You know, and, and we're all different what things we like. You know, some people love to go to Bunnings and collect things, and some people like to go to shoe shops and collect things, but we all like things, don't we? You know, we we've just got to have that new pair of shoes or whatever it may you know, be. You know, it's just things get us there. there. It says whatsoever things. You know, whatsoever things. He's not talking about spiritual things. He's not talking about healings. He's not talking about, about e- e- even you know, salvation of people. He's not talking about the big issues of life. He's just talking about the things of life. This is the bottom denominator, not the top denominator. He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, he said, believe you through and you shall have them. But before he said that, he said, whosoever shall say, whosoever shall say, whoever shall say. It didn't say the pastor shall say. It didn't say the elders shall say. It does talk about certain things that... You know, if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. But it's not even talking about elders. It says, it says uh, you know, whoever shall say. Now, if you're here, you are a whoever. Now, that mightn't be a very dignified statement to turn to you next and say, whoever. You know, did you realize you're a whoever? You know, and I wouldn't suggest you go home and call your spouse whoever today. But whoever shall say. You know, I mean, what, what has whoever got to do? Say. say. It's, not, it's not what whoever shall think. It's not whoever shall, shall meditate. It's not whoever shall, shall read. It's not sh- whoever shall discuss. It's not whoever shall criticize. It's whoever shall say to this mountain, to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So, so faith deals with the whosoever and the whatsoever of life. And, and it deals with mountains. Now, I don't know about you, but... How, you know, if, if you speak to a mountain and tell it to remove, there's only one place that you can hide a mountain. That's in the sea. 
I mean, I mean, how are you going to hide a mountain? You're like, you know, if, if, it's, it's in the sea. Now, we could talk theologically about sea for a while from the book of Job, and we'd come up with some interesting thoughts about, about where the devil lives and everything else there underneath the sea, but that's not our topic and where Leviathan lives. But, uh, but we said, whoever shall say to this mountain, you know, if you've got something in your life that's got to be removed, you've got to speak to it. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, you know, what sort of the things you desire when you pray? Now, I want you to notice something else about this verse. It's not about God. There's plenty of verses in this Bible about God. But it's about what you say to this mountain. It's all about you. It's about what you do. You know, because we've got this idea that it's all about God does. And if it doesn't happen, then it must be God's fault. He didn't want me to have it or, or I... Or something else, you know, God didn't like the way I was praying or something else. No, he, he says in this verse, it's what you say to this mountain. What you speak, you know. See, we have got to do it. You know, we've got to speak to our mountain. We've got to believe for the things. We've got to declare the things. We've got to call the things that be not as though they were. Hebrews 11.1. 1. You know, faith has the ability to bring unseen things into existence. It's got the ability to, to bring substance to what we hope for. You know, if, if, you're, if you're looking for, for something, uh, you know, it says you know, you, your substance of whatever thing you desire, it puts substance. Faith, Hebrews 11.1 11, 11, says faith is the substance of the things. Substance. It's interesting when we look at that word substance. You know, we, we know it's substance. This is substance. You know, it's not intangible. It's 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 it's, it's feel. But it, but but the word is actually a little bit more strategic than that, because it's also used in Hebrews in Hebrews 11, uh, one. I think it's verse three from memory. Uh, it says in Hebrews one verse three. It says Jesus is the. Well, some translations say this is. The, I think most translations say Jesus is the express image of the Father. But the word there is hypostatus. It means standing in place of something. In other words, you know, Jesus is the one who stands in place of the Father here. He's the express image, it says. So when, when I pray in faith, I'm meant to have the express image of what I desire. Now that's going to, ma- that's going to be... Two or three things we have to do. Express image means we have to use our imagination. You know, Jesus said three times in the Gospels, he said, have, you have eyes that don't see. You've got ears that don't hear. And you've got hearts that are far from me. You know, Paul says it in his epistles. Isaiah says it in his epistle, I get it from the book of Isaiah, but, but it's, it's the foundation of life. What you see, you know, imagination, I, I've got to see the express image. You know, we know now, I mean, if you were to talk to any elite athlete, let's take a diver, someone who's doing diving, any elite athlete no day, that before they go out or, or during or a diver, he's got the opportunity, while well, they stand in that ball and pause for a moment, because it's not a race with them, it's before they stand, they, they see their perfect dive. They, 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 in their imagination, they, they, they rehearse their desire because they, they know that, that it does something to their body. It changes things. It brings... And, you know, if elite athletes do it, then how much more should we do it in faith with God? 
Faith is an express image. You know, Jesus, you know, what do you see? You know, I mean, sometimes, you know, we've got to be careful what we see, what we imagine. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not, a, I, I, I do not get sick. Uh, I say that, well, rarely get sick. Um, rarely get flu. Got it this year. But rarely get flu. Rarely get sick. I, I mean, I, uh, but when I do get sick, because I'm so unexperienced at sickness, <laughs> these thoughts come into me. I'm going to die. <laughs> this will never go away. I'm going to get worse. I'm going to be an invalid. Before too long, I'm, I'm permanently on the bed, never going to improve. Now, I don't know whether any of you do that, but I've got a sneaky suspicion that most of us are like the rest of us, therefore we all do this to some degree or other, you know. And our spouse thinks we're wusses, you know, and everything else there, and, and they complain about the wusses, but when they get sick, they become wussy too, so it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> like we're always good at giving other people great advice, aren't we? But the greatest advice we can give is the advice that we live. But, you know, but it's because your imagination just runs, you know, it's something about, because your heart gets into you, you, you're feeling it, you know, and, 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 and you know, when you get sick, you, you, there gets a stage sometimes in sickness that you cannot fight yourself. You're not strong enough to fight. You need somebody to come along and fight the good fight of fight with you and for you because you cannot do it. You know, and that's a powerful thing. You know, that's why we're better together. Um, when, when Fred Bartolo was uh, totally unconscious after being helicoptered in there and, and, and they're trying to wake him up to find out, you know, whether he had any memory left uh, from the stroke and the heart attack, if he had any memory and he would respond and whether it was worthwhile them uh, doing the operation, that he was not even physically uh, strong there. He and he's out there, you know, it, it's an, you know, he needed somebody else to pray for him. I mean, he needed a believing wife. Him leaving a believing daughter and even leaving son, but he needed believing friends. You know, and and, and um, not too many people stand with you. you know, it's because it's not a pleasant thing to be in the hospital world and in the intensive care world, and you know the daughter's crying and his wife's crying, and you know, and you've got to change the atmosphere because you know you say, hey, this, you know, we, we've got to get our hearts right because with the heart, man believes. See, the key is, is we, we don't realize that it's our heart that makes the difference. It's what we see, our imagination make, makes the difference, but it's our heart. It's how I feel. It's our, my emotion. I've got to get my heart in because, you know, all I know about spirit life is this, is that you've got to keep in step with the spirit. Galatians 5. In other words, if you want to have joy, you've got to begin to, well, I use this in a good sense, channel joy. In other words, you've got to open the door and, and, say, and step into the realm of joy and let joy take you. That's what the Bible says, put on you know, for, this, you know, for the garment of heaven is the spirit of joy. I have got myself out of depressive situations by just simply acting happy. You know, I have found a couple of things about acting happy. Like you cannot, you cannot feel bad if you smile. So if I feel depressed, I just begin to smile. People think I'm ridiculous, but it's, it's okay. I'm feeling a lot better. They are not, but I am. Yes. I begin to smile. If that doesn't work, I, I, 
I begin to jump up in there, you know, because it's pretty hard to dance and to skip around and feel sad. Or oh, how you do? I'm really depressed today. This is the worst day I've ever had in my life. You know, it, you can't do it. It is something. That, and, and then if it gets really bad, I clap my hands. So if you see me going around the oval, you know, smiling, clapping my hands, you know it's a bad day. And Peter is just getting himself into a good day. The problem is when you don't see Peter and Peter doesn't share this heart, then you don't know that. I, and you say, Peter, you should be, you know, have you been smiling yet? Are you clapping your hands yet? Are you dancing? It's about time you got yourself in the right spirit. But put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You know, it's, it's get into joy. It's, it's get in the atmosphere. You know, you've got to get into faith to have faith. You can't, you can't stay in doubt and be in faith at the same time. I mean... I am inside this auditorium. I'm not outside the auditorium. It's very simple. This is the most profound thing I've learned about the spirit life. You're in the spirit or out of the spirit. I'm either in this room or I'm out of this room. I'm not halfway. It'd be pretty ridiculous to put my pulpit in the front of the door there and try to preach outside and inside. It's not going to work. You know, when I'm inside the building, I'm inside the building. And the atmosphere that's inside that building affects me. You know, when I, if I, I don't know what the atmosphere is like out there, but it might be windy, it might be raining, it might be cold. But in this uh, atmosphere here, you know, it's quite warm. You know, it's quite pleasant. I, I've got to learn to put myself in the spirit or in that atmosphere so that atmosphere will develop the seed of faith. Because faith is a seed of the word of God that you plant into good soil that grows. You know, the whole kingdom of God, Matthew says, is developed by one fundamental principle. In other words, another way of saying it is life is about one fundamental principle. So if you get this one fundamental principle right in life, you've, you've discovered the meaning and purpose and how life works. That's a pretty big statement. It was called the parable of the sower. Taking seed and planting it into good ground, and, and, and it brings forth 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Everything we do does that. You know, I remember preaching at a pastor's conference up uh, in Nambour, and, and, you know, and I said, churches grow to 30 people, 60 people, 100 people. Because when you take a seed, you plant it in. And if you want to grow your church, it's very simple. You get some, somebody else to plant their seed and get it to grow 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Because you, know, you can't do it all. And the more seeds you can plant into good soil, the more the church grows. It's pretty simple, church growth. That's the parable of sower. That's the parable of finances put in good seed in good ground and it'll grow this it's a purpose of life you know the seed is the word of god faith comes from hearing and hearing and planting and doing and actioning that word of god what you say you know it's so it's what i so we going back again i'm, I'm off track has my time going plenty of time here um i have no notes today just warning you that's a dangerous session to be in because it means I don't know when to stop. You know, if you've got notes, when you run out of pages, you know when to stop. If you haven't got notes, you know, it's just gone like the everlasting gospel. But uh, going back to our main thought, we said three things that are key, I think, to faith. What you hear, are you hearing the word of God? Are you planting the word of God? You have you know, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. You know, we, the promises of God are yes and amen to God. In other words, God always agrees with what He's promised because His promises ultimately decree that's happened in heaven for this earth. 
He said, this will be true of earth. So every time you see a promise, it's a decree in heaven that every demon and, and every angel must, must listen to and, and um, God himself must live. If you want to find the importance of decrees, go and have a look at uh, Lindsay. Well, Lindsay's going to share it tonight, I think, uh, there. But, uh, but every promise is ultimately a decree. And so God has created so That's why it's yes and amen. So when God says, by his stripes you're healed, that's a decree. But Jesus Christ has died for you, you know, and taken your sicknesses. That's a decree. You know, uh, by, uh, you know, uh, whosoever believes him shall not doubt. You know, that's a decree he's talking about. He's made these things. So when we take a promise for healing, when we take a promise for, for fruitfulness, when we take a promise for abundance, when we take a promise for health, and the Bible is full of promises of God. You know, in Bundaberg, the, um, we, we used to, uh, they used to have the, a book called uh, Keys to, um, Scriptural Keys to Promises, something like that. I, I can't remember the exact name of it, but I think it was Davis it was. The bookshop told me that more books, that, uh, that, uh, that book, because there's always, a, what it was, a list of promises under different areas. He says, Bundaberg Church buys more of that than the whole movement buys. Because we believe in the promises. We believe in sowing promises. Because that's how we live there. We live by, by believing God and sowing promises and living on those promises. You know, it, wasn't, it was something that a whole church had caught. You know, we renewed our mind by the promises of God. You know, I think this week, Lindsay went and talked to uh, the lady who runs the... Uh, what do they call it at, at City Point there, the, uh, the second-hand store? It's not a second-hand store, that's a bad term. The vintage store. It's much more uh, up... I don't know how second-hand becomes upmarket, but it does. You know, I just changed the name, but it's the vintage store. So she runs the vintage store, and she's told the Lindsay about... You know, she reminded Lindsay about... about you know, and she wrote a book called The uh, Spotted uh, Cow. And, and, and in there she says, you know, Lindsay taught me how to visualise and how to declare and how to see... And it's changed our family, it changed our marriage, it changed our life. You know, I was talking to one of the other pastors uh, who's a state chairman of South, New South Wales and she, and she said the same thing, you know, you, you come and taught us on, on renewing the mind, just taking the promise and renewing it. He said, I have used that all my life since then. There's certain fundamental things in life we've got to be able to do. We've got to learn to l- renew our mind and keep our mind active on the promises. What do you hear? Because, you know, what do you feel? What do you hear? You know, what do you see? Do you, do you, do you, have, do you sit down there and, and see the express image of what you're believing for? You just see it. it do you visualize it there? Do you spend time visualizing? And second thing, do, do you, do you, you know, what do you listen to? Do you refuse to listen to doubt? Do you refuse to listen to negativity? Do you free, refuse to listen to the devil and say, I believe God. You know, he's the only one I'm listening to and I'm agreeing with that. And then the, th- the last one, of course, is what's in your heart. You know, do, do you actually feel it? Because you can go around and talk about God and don't even feel anything about God. Uh, you know, that's what religion does. Religion says the right thing but feels nothing. It's, it's got no emotion whatsoever. You go to a religious church and you can tell it because you, they'll, they'll say the right thing uh, and yet there's no, there's, there's, no, there's no feeling there. There's no love. There's no joy. You know, there's, there's nothing. You can't, there's no spirit, in other words, to catch. See, whenever you start feeling something, people catch your spirit. You can feel when people are depressed. You can walk in a house and you know that a person's had a big argument before you walked in there. In fact, you'll use the words, you can cut the the atmosphere with a knife. Because we're building atmospheres. 
You know, and, and, and faith can only live in the atmosphere of what you see, what you hear, and what you feel. And if you keep on speaking to that mountain, it will leave. The Bible says through faith and patience. Faith would be a great subject if it wasn't for the word patience at the end of it. And then it says, fight the good fight of faith. Faith is something you've got to fight. You've got to fight your imagination. You've got to fight your wrong imagination. You've got to fight your wrong feelings. You know, and, and when the doctor, you know, I find this, last thought as I close. You know, when somebody with authority says something, it is very hard to ever get it out of your spirit. The most damaging thing that's happened to your life is something that your parents said to you. Isn't that true? Dad told me I'd never make anything. Dad told me that I was a talker and I've been a talker all my life. The second most uh, damaging person in your life is your school teacher because they have authority. I mean, I, mean, I, can, uh, I asked 60-year-old people and said, can you remember something that your school teacher said to you, you know, in a negative fashion? They all put their hand up. Now, that wouldn't happen today, would it, Lorraine? The school teachers are much better. But... <laughs> Then they are. They're really, I think they are. We, we've learned some lessons, thank God. But, uh, you know, when I was at school, nobody liked school. Now you could ask the kid whether they like school. You know, 90% say they do. And the one that says, no, it's not the school's problem. It's his, his rebellious nature's problem. But, you know, if pastor says something, if, if, and, of course, the big one for us is the doctor. The doctor's got all authority. If you have any problem, the doctor knows best. Doesn't he? So if the doctor says, you know, you've got cancer, then you know, who am I to doubt the doctor? It, it's going to be a fight to break that thing. It's, it, you, know, it's, you know, sometimes, you know, the worst, you know, you know, the worst things to read is all the problems you have from medical issues. You know, if you take this tablet, you're going to have these symptoms, you know. I find that if I read the symptoms of a disease there before too long, I'm thinking about I've got every one of those, I'm getting that disease because I've got all those symptoms somehow. I don't know what it is, but the imagination just runs wild if you don't fight that thing. You've actually got to fight it. You've got to just fight it and say, I refuse to believe that. That might be true, but not true for me because I've got something higher than that faith. I started this message, I'm finishing on this thought. David said, every prayer meeting, he said that uh, there's two things that God marveled at. Only two things that Jesus marveled at, I should say, in the gospel. The only two times that he marveled. One was when they had great faith. Centurion, I've never seen so great faith in all of Israel. He marveled, it actually says. The other time he marveled was when his disciples came back, couldn't cast him out, and he marveled at their lack of faith. In other words, the thing that God takes notice of is faith. Without it, we can't please Him. Bless God. Well, what have we got to do today? Get in faith. Faith is our deliverer, our healer, our everything.